The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Every time a missile misses its target, a train derails, or a faulty airbag fails to save a life, we wonder whether these failures, which can sometimes reach catastrophic proportions, are caused by a counterfeit part that may have infiltrated the supply chain. Welcome to People to People, working together for your safety with host Stan Salat. Stan has the answers to your questions on protecting yourself and the safety of your loved ones, including your pets. Don't miss out. Now, here is Stan Salat. Hello and welcome to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is How Industry Uses Information About You. I have a fantastic guest, Dave Gennetto from, uh, let's see, an industry insider, consumer advocate, author of the new book, Big Social Mobile. Uh, Dave is going to reveal the latest tricks, techniques, and technology used by today's most progressive brands to understand, interact with, and influence consumers. You didn't know you were being influenced by, uh, by big data or by industry, did you? From the uh, integrated advertising campaigns to hidden data collection routines, these companies know more than you think possible. From your uh, demographic, social networks, and online behavior to your uh, value system, the secret relations, and even your emotional state, this information allows them to craft strategies that influence and manipulate consumer behavior and buying decisions. But consumers, social consumers, uh, consumers, uh, social consumers, uh, Genetto calls them are aging back power in the court in this corporate consumer relationship and using these same tactics to shift market dynamics and gain real leverage for the first time since the dawn of capitalism join uh, we're, we're going to be talking with Dave today and I hope you uh, stay tuned with us as we go through this People to people is about our safety, and there's probably nothing more real to our safety today than the information that's available through uh, Internet and social media and other such things. So uh, I'm going to be bringing Dave on in just a minute, and we'll be talking with him about these issues, uh, talk about his book and some of the things that he has done and is doing on our behalf. I want to start, though, by uh, recognizing our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our platinum sponsors, Business and Quality Process Management, LLC. You can find them at www.bqpm.com. Platinum sponsor, Secure Components, LLC. Uh, Secure Components can be found at www.securecomponents.com. 
BQPM is a consulting, training, and software development uh, tool set company. They uh, specialize in helping companies uh, become qualified under the hazardous substance and the counterfeit avoidance programs. Secure Components is an independent distributor uh, providing uh, uh, components that are hard to find and obsolete to their customers. We have bronze sponsors C-Trends, supply chain specialist, www.ctrends.com, another supplier of components, both hard to find and stocking. Concord Components, Inc., www.concordcomponents.com, an independent distributor and a stocking distributor as well. An aircraft airworthiness and sustainment conference, uh, they are actually coming to us as sponsors from Australia. You can find them at www.agingaircraft.com.au, and that is spelled A-G-E-I-N-G aircraft.com.au. So without too much further ado, I really want to get David into the show here. I want to welcome David. Uh, David is, um, let's see, David helps organizations leverage information, leading some of the most complex information-driven initiatives for today's top brands, listing him as a thought leader by the American Management Association, Business Finance Magazine, and Consumer Goods Technology. He is an author. He is author, He is the author of Big Social Mobile: How Digital Initiatives Can Reshape the Enterprise and Create Business Value. Dave, you've got a very impressive background, and I want to get us talking about that background and what you're doing. And welcome to the show. Hi, Stan. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate being on. Um, I want to jump in here, but before I, before I do, uh, just to plug a little bit, uh, I understand your book has just come out, or you have a new one that just came out? Yes. Big Social Mobile just came out with Paul Grave. Uh, you know, they're a great publisher, so it's nice to be publishing with them this time. It came out um, at the very beginning of this year, and uh, happy to say it's been pretty well received so far. You know, it takes its title from big data, social media, and mobile technology, which are three things that every company is spending money on. And uh, I take the stance, uh, you know, that that while these things have, have really changed a lot of things about business, um, they're not exactly used the right way all the time by companies. And, and my work is very much about how do companies use these things for good and bad and how can they use them better. So that, that's kind of where I fit in and big social mobile fits in bringing that approach to the market. Uh, very good. Let's see, your book takes its name, as you said, from, uh, well, from three of today's most talked about business initiatives, uh, big data, social media, and mobile technology. But you talk and write about them as being part of one large change or one larger change. Uh, can you help, help us understand that? Sure. You know, all three of all three of them really have their roots in information, and and I think that they're part of one larger movement that really started with the internet, and the internet did something really amazing uh, because it it pushed information out there and gave it to consumers uh, via a medium 
that they controlled for the first time. You know, prior to that, they were really influenced by the brands that had the most marketing power, which equated to the most money. Uh, and, and that's largely how they thought of things. If they had an opinion about a product, it came from some sort of marketing. It was very hard for them to get a third-party perspective that wasn't influenced by big business. Um, but the Internet made information free, uh, and it kind of democratized it. But that didn't really gain a foothold until about 2004 when social media came about. And that's when certain consumers, consumers that I call social consumers, really understood that they had power over companies for the first time. They could gain access to insight about uh, a product without going to that company. They could reach out to friends, to, to influencers, to people that became bloggers. Uh, and, and really understand what was in their best interest without going to the company. And that's only 10 years ago when you think about it. 2004 uh, is not that long. And then you had mobile technology, which integrated this into our lives no matter where we went. And then, of course, big data is a result of that. So companies are dealing with these three massive changes, one after another, all within the space of 10 years. Uh, and if they view it from that unified perspective, they'll understand how to react to these three things much more effectively. I, I've heard uh, numerous, in fact, I travel a fair bit, and as I travel, one of the things I like to do is listen to uh, audio tapes, or uh, nowadays it's audio VDs, uh, DVDs rather, or CDs, and there's a lot of information, if you will, about companies adopting a process or a, well, actually a process where they actually reach out to, um, so through social media, to people that they're wanting to do business with and create, if you will, a, a virtual arm of their business. I, I'm saying this really with a question. This is what you're talking about. When you talk about the consumer and companies and big data this is bringing all that together, I, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, you know, I, it does bring it together from a company's perspective. It's, for me, it's about understanding consumers when they inhabit, it, inhabit the digital landscape, the same as companies traditionally understand them in the physical world. So imagine a consumer walking into a car dealership or a retail outlet or a customer service center, that customer is standing in front of them. They can read the body language. They can understand what their problem is. They can also profile them a little bit. And then they, they compare what they're seeing and the impression they get to the data that's in front of them, right? They look that customer up. They understand what did they buy? How frequently? How much do they spend? Did they buy a high-priced product or a low-priced product? You know, they're, they're kind of building this profile of this person, um, through the interactions, and, and those are considered traditional interactions now, but companies more and more are interacting with consumers or customers through digital mediums, right? Through Facebook or Twitter or through mobile devices, whether it's live chat or, or just sort of a dialogue that's set up through the mobile device. And they don't really have the ability to assess the consumer in the same way. And, and that's what has pushed big data into the forefront. Because big data allows a company to profile the person they're talking about, uh, the person they're talking with, just the same as they would have done in the past through a more physical relationship. Big Social Mobile fits in and says, 
the consumer is the constant across both the physical and digital landscape. Your job as a company is to understand who they are and to interact with them effectively every time you touch them, regardless of whether it's through a, a physical medium or a digital medium. That customer deserves a consistent experience. They deserve to be understood. And since the consumers now have more and more options, which they understand better and better, largely because of the change in information availability, social media, um, smart consumers, what I call social consumers, understand they have options. And companies that don't give them those things, those social consumers will go elsewhere. So <laughs> we, we didn't really talk about this, but I, I'm, I'm pressed to ask now. We're talking about social media. We're talking about Internet. Um, as you were describing the car dealership or any place that the salesman is face-to-face or the company is face-to-face, you have a personal interaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're talking about here, the, the personal side of this, does it really disappear or is there a personal part of this that still comes through uh, or is this something that you've actually dealt with? Is there a personal piece to this at all? Yeah, yeah. shockingly, you get much more personalized interaction in the digital landscape than you do when a person walks into a car dealership. When a person walks into a car dealership, you're relying on that individual salesperson to to really assess and understand that customer or potential customer on the spot. But when you're a company interacting with a, a consumer who might be a prospect or might be a customer that you're trying to upsell or resell to, the data trail that that consumer leaves allows you to understand them far better than you could ever possibly have understood them in the past. So where companies are going is to create as personalized messages and responses to these customers as possible. So when I hit you up with an ad, I want that ad to be as personal to you as possible. And I know I know and understand you because I know who you are, I know your demographics, I know your social circle, I know your behaviors amongst those social circles and the brands you like. And I can even I can even go further and understand your emotional state, your value system, and all that is contained in the data that people are left are leaving behind. That's that's uh, extremely interesting um, in many ways, and perhaps for the listening audience, uh, it it bear it. Um, it's worth mentioning as a technologist myself in a quality management arena that I spent years and well still do spend time actively in one of the biggest um, challenges I've always had is gathering data analyzing the data and then presenting that data in a way that makes it viable for the company that I'm working for or working with Mm -hmm. Uh, most of this is done obviously in my world it's done uh, with hardware it's electronics industry or uh, consumer product industry. So I'm familiar with doing that, looking at the manufacturing facility or the operations or the sales aspects of a company. We're really now talking about doing the same thing, but the subject matter is all of us as, as consumers or as people. Yeah, I actually come from a, a traditional, you know, 
I come from a background that's fairly similar to yourself. I really technically come from the business intelligence and analytics space. So it is unusual for someone like me that should that traditionally works inside of a company to understand what their business is, what drives their success, uh, and and then uses data to measure their progress against those benchmarks or those goals or objectives to measure the profitability of every piece of the equation, and then give that back to decision makers to help them drive their performance, right? That's really what my first book was about that led me okay. here to this book. How do you gather and use information to understand things inside the company? Uh, and that would be work similar to the work you're describing, maybe a little bit different in nature, but similar. Mm-hmm. This book is really about how do you go outside of a company to understand consumers, what's going on with them, and then combine that information, that data, with the tra- what we now think of as traditional enterprise data to create a more complete understanding of customers, how you're interacting with them, what's driving your profitability, what's bringing it down. So it, it's not so dissimilar. The challenge is when you hear a term like big data, people just don't understand what it means. So they attach misunderstanding to it or they they believe it's just too big but if i gave you just a few examples you would see how each part of the organization could really benefit in a very tangible way tangible way i think is very important um from the use of this type of information well that brings me to ask the question then uh given the change that these these digital initiatives have had on how companies operate are the companies really ready for it well, no. Most companies are not doing a very good job. Um, really, Right now, consumers really have the upper hand. They've integrated social media and mobile technology into their lives much more effectively than companies have. But companies are spending tremendous amounts of money on these digital initiatives in separate, isolated efforts. And what I'm, what I'm bringing to the table is say, look, there is your mistake. By integrating them into the organization and into each other, you create a much more effective means of interacting with consumers, understanding them, and making them happier, you know, making them more satisfied with your company, making them love your brand, but also selling more effectively to them. So this has to be a fairly significant uh, training process for a company that's trying to use this new media of of, uh, data and information. Well, they're already doing it, right? Most every company is already doing it. And the funny thing is that small to medium businesses can actually use this type of approach much more effectively than can large-scale corporate enterprises. Oh, we're back to that one again. (laughs) Turning that that aircraft carrier around before you get to the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Dave, if you don't mind, uh, we need to take a short break for uh, radio station identification. I'm uh, very excited and pleased that we have you with us today. There's much more to come. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Secure Components is proud to be the first independent distributor certified to the Department of Defense adopted AS6081 counterfeit avoidance standard. 
Our clients view us as partners in counterfeit avoidance because we share our source of supply. We have earned their trust to procure electronic and mechanical components specifically when their requirements are obsolete or unavailable from authorized sources. Visit SecureComponents.com today to learn why the largest aerospace defense and technology companies in the world partner with Secure Components. Lansdale Semiconductor, the electronics company that created the semiconductor aftermarket, builds semiconductors for defense and military use, as well as commercial and automotive global industries. Lansdale Semiconductor still makes them like they used to. We have over 50 years producing high-rail integrated circuits. Our classic designs are timeless, just like the legendary cars where you might find our products. For more information about Lansdale Semiconductor, visit Lansdale.com. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products, yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance, believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. Concord Components Incorporated is a trusted supply chain partner to major manufacturers and the U.S. government. We stock a wide range of products, including semiconductors, connectors, passive and electromechanical components. Concord provides a much broader range of products, as well as obsolete, hard-to-find, and long-lead-time items. In addition to our inventory, we offer total bill-of-material solutions through our global sources and procurement services. For more information about Concord Components, visit Concord. ConcordComponents.com. Aging Aircraft Australia is a nonprofit organization engaged in collaborative responses to sustainment challenges in Australia's fleets. Challenges often shared with its U.S. allies. Aging Aircraft Australia runs the annual Aircraft Airworthiness and Sustainment Australia Conference, including its ongoing counterfeit avoidance campaign. More information can be found at www.agingaircraft.com.au forward slash AASC. That's aging with an E. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is People to People, working together for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to Stan at stansalot.com. Again, that's Stan at stansalot.com. Now, back to People to People. 
Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Dan Slott. Our show today is How Industry Uses Information About You. And I do believe I just I just uh, changed the title of the show. Nope, I didn't. We're still okay. David, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here with you. Okay. I'm only slightly lost today. <laughs> so, we, uh, we, we're, the show today is about uh, industry insider advocate Dave Gennato. Did I get that one right or did I finally make it Italian? You, you did. <laughs> I did, okay. Gianetto. Yeah, Gianetto. Gianetto. Uh, I keep wanting to make him an Italian even though he is one. <laughs> Author of the new book, Big Social Mobile. Uh, we've been talking about the effects of uh, social media and social information and big data as it uh, is used by industry and by consumers. Uh, just before the break, we were talking about the way companies are using this and how people, uh, their people are trained to deal with it. Uh, and I guess are there processes, Dave, uh, adapted to them? Are they really, from your work and within your book, do you talk about uh, their, their processes that they've adapted, and um, do they have the technology in place and so forth to to manage this within within the companies? Within the companies, yeah. For for companies that are doing this very effectively, they have quite a bit of process and technology in place, and we're not always talking about bad things. You know, we're, we're <laughs> we could we could cite some examples of, of times that companies are doing really great things with this type of technology. Um, so if you were to take a, an unexpected application of it, for example, you might have somebody, you know, that we envision working in the basement as an engineer that, that stereotypically we would say they're not the most social employee. We could put them onto the company's social media platform and they could interact directly with consumers or customers. And two things would happen. One, the customers would get to ask deeper questions about the product or service that they already paid for. And that engineer or product manager or developer would understand ways that people could use it that they wouldn't think of on their own. And okay. that, that type of relationship really benefits the customer because they're, they're gaining information that they never could have gotten anywhere else. Um, but the company benefits as well because from these more impassioned consumers, they're drawing out, hey, what would you like to see? What would you find valuable if we changed it? Why did you pick us over the competitor? And that type of information has traditionally been very hard to come by. So, so there is a win-win situation um, that, that is really using social, perhaps via a mobile platform, to share information in a way that benefits both people. Um, or it could be one-sided. If you take an application of mobile, um, you know, Comedy Central has been is a case study in the book and been very vocal about the fact that they use big data to figure out that uh, in a market that's nearly fully saturated because Comedy Central is the king of comedy from, I think it's 18 to 34-year-olds, um, they had to figure out how to add additional um, customers and our customers are viewers who follow comedians and shows and buy DVDs and, and watch content online. And what they found was that one of the times that uh, their audience is most available to them to connect to their content 
is on holidays. And then when you think about it, why? Holidays are very busy. But given the demographics of their customer, a lot of times their audience at, at the 18 to 20-year-old range is sitting at the dinner table uh, with their parents or sometimes even their in-laws if they're in their 20s maybe. And they're sitting there with their mobile device in the hand. And although the parents or the old timers hate it, a lot of times they're surfing. And right. in those moments, they're very susceptible to, to gaining uh, new interest, right? So Comedy Central learned that they could identify when those occur, they could burst out content, and they would gain new customers through that. So, so that's the use of good data analytics to find out when are your customers available to be sold to that you never would have understood they were even available to you in the past. And, and the customers are winning, but the company are, is winning more. Interesting. Cool. Uh, yeah. that, that kind of speaks to why my 14-year-old grandson is uh, becoming more knowledgeable than I am then. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's really interesting because when you talk to the younger generation, uh, it's such a gap between what I call social consumers and traditional consumers. And the traditional consumers kind of frown on the kids when they're on their phone, but the kids have a different view. They view it like, look, here I am interacting in the real world, sitting at the table talking with you, but I'm also socializing with friends in other places around the world. I'm actually being more social than you are because you're only talking to these people. So it really is a completely different shift, and companies have to understand that shift in order to be effective at interacting with them. Is there a... um if you will, a downside to the to the, on the consumer side, uh, how they've reacted to these same changes, or um, mm-hmm. their risks. Sure. Okay. Yeah. If you take a different example, one one of the big box retailers did a really effective job at linking together consumer um, so what we think of as social data. Social and mobile data was is roughly what we consider big data. Um, and then traditional data, which is in a big box retailer, that is information about you that's created at the checkout. Your credit card information, what you bought, your frequency of purchase, your loyalty program information, a little bit of demographics attached to that. So they, they were able to merge these two things together. And they could actually figure out that a woman was pregnant before she told people in her family and then they would start to use that information, that understanding that she was pregnant, to, to put her into a pattern of very personalized interactions that prompted her to purchase because they knew what mothers-to-be, pregnant women, were susceptible to at every week of their pregnancy, and they would target her. So while there is a benefit to that type of really deep, intimate understanding of a consumer, the risk is, you know, the, the, the risk that everyone goes to first, you know, they were outing people about being pregnant before um, the consumer really wanted to tell people in their social networks, right? Because they were targeting other people around her with this information that she was, pre- she was pregnant before she announced it, right? So they were letting the cat out of the bag. And of course, nobody wants that. But also, consumers are being targeted when they're most vulnerable, so some in some consumers, it can get them to purchase things that they would not otherwise purchase. And, and therein lies the risk of, of that type of marketing or advertising or even loyalty programs that play upon 
that type of deep understanding. They elicit a response from the consumer that is not in the consumer's best interest. They purchase things that they truly don't need or they believe that there's a benefit that isn't actually there. Yeah, I, I can say that I've noticed that particularly on my smartphone or my mobile device uh, in that whatever I go look at now, for whatever mm-hmm. reason, um, even if it's just because I clicked on something that I wasn't paying attention to, it suddenly becomes a thing that somebody's marketing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's kind of two levels of that. Uh, there, there's many behaviors that companies that are, that are doing this very successfully, in, in the book I call them big social mobile enterprises. It doesn't matter if they're big business or small companies, that, that's the label that I, I'm applying in the book. To become a big social mobile enterprise, the book kind of describes what it is and lays out how you, you achieve it. And, and a company trying to use these digital initiatives in this way, they adopt certain behaviors that are different from other companies that aren't using them successfully. And although there are a few, there, there's five of them that I talk about, but the, the most important one is they seek to uniquely identify a consumer as quickly as possible. Because the type of advertising you're talking about is, is, very, is actually very simple, where they're using keyword searches to say that, oh, you search for a cat, you must be interested in cats, now I'm going to prompt you with cat-related products. Uh, or, for example, I, I just bought a new home, we moved in yesterday, I'm getting advertisements from movers because they saw my address was available uh, or, or sold. So I'm getting very personalized type of content in the sidebar. But it goes, it goes much, much deeper than that. Once they understand who exactly you are, um, what your demographics and your profile is, your social circle, your behavioral tendencies, then it's much, much deeper beyond just having a, a banner ad pop up relative to a recent search. I'm going to I'm going to take a bit of a risk here and um, and if this is outside the realm of something you want to uh, talk about by all means I'll respect that but <laughs> um, this strikes me as also being very dangerous in that a company could I, I'm I'm kind of I'm really going out on a limb saying that on the negative side of all this, a, a bad player could actually use these tools and targeting vulnerable um, individuals, whether they're children or adults. Uh, they could actually use this to manipulate or potentially manipulate people that are vulnerable or prone to being manipulated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. In your line of work, do you ever get into this, or is this outside of your core? Well, you certainly can profile. See, the whole trick to using big data is to create a profile of the person that is your perfect customer. And then once you identify what the profile of a perfect customer is, you know, what their demographics are, what their social circle looks like, what their tendencies are towards brands, what their behaviors are. Once you identify them and profile them, then you go out and you try to find more people exactly like them. So if you were um, seeking to use this approach in a, for, evil, for evil ends, you would simply figure out who is the most vulnerable or at-risk person, and then you could very easily understand what the community of similar people looks like. Right, so it could be used for good or bad. Um, 
you know, I don't get involved too much uh, in working with companies to do that type of work, but I will talk about it quite a bit as a consumer advocate because that's really the two worlds that I live in. One is an industry expert that works with companies to help them use these digital initiatives to perform better and, and make customers happier too. And the other is working with consumers to understand where they're at risk, what are companies trying to get them to do that places them at risk, and how can they respond to it. Sounds like the next book has to be one that talks about how consumers can protect themselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, data, you know, you always hear about data privacy, privacy issues and concerns, and it's so complicated that the government just can't catch up. I mean, the government is slow moving intentionally, right? They, they don't they don't want to make rash changes to law, so they're, they're very measured in how they do things. But this type of work is moving ahead so quickly that the government just doesn't have any chance of catching up to things from a privacy perspective. And when they do, whatever they enact will simply be exceeded so quickly um, but 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 I believe personally that market dynamics will come to the to the consumer's rescue. Uh, it's going to be a few years away, but if you look down the road three, four, five years, you're going to see maybe sooner, but but a few years, you're going to see companies that stand up and say, you know what, we don't do those things. We don't use your data that way. We are here. Uh, part of our value proposition is a clear respect of your privacy and your privacy includes your data. You're seeing it a little bit when companies are very clear that they don't reuse your information or sell right. it. But pretty soon, it's going to be a clear part of their value statement um, that we really respect and support consumers. We don't, we don't do those type of things. You know, we're definitely seeing it in my area. It's something that is being written into the corporate social responsibility statements. It's in the annual reports. Um, there's more and more discussion in that area uh, by executives mm-hmm. trying to help their, first and foremost, their stakeholders, but their stakeholders, their insurance companies, their boards, that they are, in fact, learning and growing smarter about mm-hmm. what data they gather and how they gather it and how they use it. Um, yeah. That's um, that's probably the one of the main, there's two pieces of my work. One is that type of work, working with executives to understand what they can, what they can do, but maybe should not do. Right. Uh, and, the, and the other is actually working about integrating these digital initiatives into the fabric of the company itself. Um, so there really is two pieces or two levels that I'm working at all the time. That sounds very interesting. Well, we're once again up for uh, station identification time. When we come back, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about the market dynamics and uh, what you have for uh, an answer, uh, if you have an answer for this and what it is. And uh, then a couple of more questions. So. Everybody, please don't go away. I have uh, David with me, and we're talking about uh, big social data. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Lansdale Semiconductor, the electronics company that created the semiconductor aftermarket, 
builds semiconductors for defense and military use, as well as commercial and automotive global industries. Lansdale Semiconductor still makes them like they used to. We have over 50 years producing high-rail integrated circuits. Our classic designs are timeless, just like the legendary cars where you might find our products. For more information about Lansdale Semiconductor, visit Lansdale.com. Did you know that hazardous substances and counterfeit material can be in everything we buy? From new clothing, cars, toys, power cords, and charging units, to your garden hose and the drywall in your home. Did you know that many of these toxins or counterfeits have been found to cause infertility, birth defects, autism, obesity, and diabetes, which can be passed down from parents to children? It's nearly impossible to know the ingredients in these products. Yet Stan Salat Jr., author and creator of the not-for-profit HSF Mark Alliance and Counterfeit Avoidance Mark Alliance believes that consumers have the right to know the type and amount of hazardous materials in the products we buy. Are you a retailer, a manufacturer, a manager, and a person who cares about the safety of the products you sell and buy? Protect your assets, your job, and your family now. Tell Stan that you want his help. Contact BQPM today. Visit our website at www.bqpm.com or call toll-free 877-415-0191. BQPM.com. Together, we are working for your safety. The world has changed. You need a trusted supplier that mitigates risk at every stage of manufacturing. C-Trends utilizes provenance marking technologies to provide a unique security solution when addressing the challenges of supply chain security. Item pedigree, brand protection, and theft. In these times of fraud and counterfeiting, customers depend on C-Trends for a higher level of trust and service when it comes to their supply chain needs. Visit our website at ctrends.com for more information. Aging Aircraft Australia is a non-profit organization engaged in collaborative responses to sustainment challenges in Australia's fleets. Challenges often shared with its U.S. allies. Aging Aircraft Australia runs the annual Aircraft Airworthiness and Sustainment Australia Conference, including its ongoing counterfeit avoidance campaign. More information can be found at www.agingaircraft.com.au forward slash AASC. That's aging with an E. Secure Components is proud to be the first independent distributor certified to the Department of Defense adopted AS6081 Counterfeit Avoidance Standard. Our clients view us as partners in counterfeit avoidance because we share our source of supply. We have earned their trust to procure electronic and mechanical components specifically when their requirements are obsolete or unavailable from authorized sources. Visit SecureComponents.com today to learn why the largest aerospace defense and technology companies in the world partner with Secure Components. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com This is People to People, working together for your safety. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to Stan at StanSalat.com. Again, that's Stan at StanSalat.com. Now, back to People to People. Welcome back to People to People, working together for your safety. I'm your host, Stan Salat. Our show today is How Industry Uses Information About You. I have Dave Gennetto. 
<laughs> there you go. Out. You got it. I got it. Janetto, yes. See, I can get there. Author (laughs) of the new book, Big Social Mobile. And that is, again, Big Social Mobile. And Dave, before we go any farther, how do people find it? Well, the easiest way is to go to bigsocialmobile.com. Of course, it's on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and all those typical outlets as well. And the uh, publisher is? Paul Grave McMillan. Uh, They've one of the world's best publishers. Outstanding. So we've been talking about the uh, big social mobile, me- the uh, social media, the use of social information or social media information, communication with consumers uh, by industry and how consumers, whether they realize it or not, <laughs> are becoming part of the companies that they talk with. Uh, which is, it's It's been a amazing to me that we we get paid for everything that we buy today and everything's broken down discreetly uh, i.e. you buy an airplane ticket that doesn't get your bag there and it doesn't feed you and it doesn't mm-hmm. give you liquid uh, it doesn't even give you a blanket or a pillow on some airplanes but yet we also see ourselves giving freely information to manufacturers or companies that we talk to um, I gotta. I, I have to believe that this is part of the equation, or am I missing it? Well, I think consumers don't see it that way because you know one of the interesting dynamics about this group that I'm calling a social consumer, and and social consumers, nearly everyone under 35 is automatically a social consumer. Um, 35 to 45, even 50 these days. You're you're probably have a lot of social consumer tendencies, but over fifty, you're probably a little bit more of a traditional consumer and not as easily influenced by brands in this way. But amongst this group that that exhibits these social consumer behaviors, one of the things that is really great about them is that their connection is with the company. It doesn't matter if they're buying paper towels or a lifestyle brand like uh, Tory Burch, who's now launching a new mobile line of, of jewelries and accessories, or, or what type of car you drive if you're a BMW fanatic, or the golf clubs you swing. Um, th- they connect with that brand, and they look at that brand and they say, do I want to associate with my name, my name with this type of company? Right. So they're not doing research a traditional consumer would do research that says, what type of service will I get if I have a problem? Right. And they would make their purchasing decision in part based upon the answer to that question. A social consumer will approach it differently. They'll say, do I want to do business with a company that treats customers that way? And if the answer is no, they, their tendency to buy really drops. But if the answer is yes, their tendency to purchase is really high. And then they're willing to share any information because they've created an emotional connection with that brand. It's the same way we think of a lifestyle brand. That brand says something about who they are. But the amazing thing is that that in the future, every brand will think like a lifestyle brand. Uh, And it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a a CPG company or, or a, you know, a commodity company, it doesn't matter. Every company has to learn to think like a lifestyle brand because that is what consumers are connecting with as much as they connect with the actual product or service itself. It, it definitely is changing. 
And as you speak and, and share this with us, um, I realize that a lot of those tendencies, I'm, I certainly don't fit in the category age-wise <laughs> for the uh, younger side, but because of the world I live in and the things I do, I can recognize a lot of what you're saying. And I do yeah. definitely look at companies different today. It's not what service do you provide uh, as much as it is how do, how do I feel that you'll embrace me? How will you take care of me going forward? Yeah, and um, you know, it's, it's really interesting as well. You know, when you look at the... When you look at whether or not a product is environmentally friendly or not, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about going green, but what the studies have shown is that most consumers will not put their money where their mouth is. Right. They'll, they'll only pick the greener product, the more environmentally friendly product. If the two are sitting side by side on the shelf and they're about the same price, they'll lean towards something that comes across as more environmentally friendly, but they won't pay more. And what we're seeing, too, is, is a shift in those areas as well. We're seeing a real willingness for the first time for consumers to put their money, uh, a base, to spend their money based on what they believe. So a company's stance on um, social rights, their policies, their, their ethics, consumers really are, are starting for the first time to not spend money on brands that, that are distasteful in that way. And that will really drive change in the long term. It's going to take some time. But imagine being able to get that kind of traction where companies have to behave in the right way because consumers simply will not shop there if they don't. All right. So, we're, we, you know, these these shows go extremely quickly, and we think we have uh, a lot of time when we start with sixty minute shows, but they pass very quickly. And once again, we're uh, we're looking at the clock and seeing that it's coming to an end. But before we let it do that, uh, and I go through my sign off process, I, I'd like to to hone on hone in on a couple of things. All of your writing comes. From comes out of real work with real clients. Uh, am I right there? Yeah, that's where it all starts for me. Yeah. So we're not talking about your thoughts or your um, hypotheticals. These are real realities. Yeah, I think what I'm doing in Big Social Mobile is is weaving together the story of what are the best brands doing? You know, who's really the most dynamic with social? Who's the best with mobile? Who's using big data really effectively? And, and I'm pulling out those strings to say, this is how great companies are doing this. This is how you can be great too. And this is the impact on consumers and how consumers are affected and, and interacting with these companies as a result. Um, so although very few companies are actually doing it, what you're seeing is, is kind of the process that all the companies that are great at doing it use. And, and that's what's brought to life in the book. And so what was the impetus for this book and, and how does it fit? <laughs> well, uh, it you know it really actually comes out of um, what what for me was a failure. If if I went back maybe six years ago, um, I was working with a group of top brands and trying to do this with them um, with this program called Social Access Twenty Five, and and I was talking to these folks about how do you take social media, which was big at the time, and drive it into the organization to really make it part of the fabric of how you operate and interact with customers and consumers. 
And it was a miserable failure. I just couldn't get the folks in the group who were largely social media practitioners to, to get their head around how this had to be done because I'm sitting down talking about um, the product design process and um, the sales process and the operations and implementation process and customer service processes and saying, look, step outside, take your social media hat off. You've got to help all these process because customers are coming to you with these questions. You could really be helping your company in many more ways other than growing fans and followers. And, and it was a miserable failure. Um, but I went back into the market. I started working with my client group and, and some of the, the great brands that I've been fortunate enough to work with and calling on my network of folks and, and really started going down this road. What are the great brands doing? How can I work with mainstream managers to get them to adopt these things and take their company somewhere else? And um, maybe that failure pushed me to be much more methodical about the process to really make sure it, it was it was supported by you know, good case studies and good examples. Uh, and, and here we are five or, five or six years later um, with these type of things becoming quite mainstream. Very good. Now I'm going to give you a challenge as a writer. In the, <laughs> next, in the next 30 to 40 seconds, how is it that companies can collect so much information about consumers, aren't they protected, and doesn't it violate privacy laws? Uh, you know, I'm sorry to say, but no, it, it really doesn't violate privacy laws right now. Th- those laws don't exist in a way that would truly protect them. And consumers have to understand most of the time when they're interacting with companies, they're, they're choosing to interact with companies. These companies aren't, aren't doing it behind the scenes. And when they interact with them, they leave the data trail that leads to an understanding. And if you download a mobile app and you click accept, You've you've given away your right to not share that data, and companies are smart enough to create their app mobile apps in a way that you have to give away that right in order to use the the mobile app effectively and make your life better with it. So so companies are smart about it too. But right now, consumers are not protected, and they're giving away what protection they have. David, I want to thank you very much for your time today. Perhaps we can uh, talk about having you back on a, another show, and I know there's a lot more to talk about here. Happy to come back anytime. It's great talking with you again. Uh, I do appreciate it. Uh, we'll look forward to uh, everybody um, getting that book and doing some reading. One more, one last time, the uh, place to find the book. Sure, you can always go to bigsocialmobile.com. Actually, if you go there, there's a, a free community that you can just log in and, and um, get some behind-the-scenes information as that community grows. Of course, you can find Big Social Mobile on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of the, the typical booksellers. Outstanding, and I'm sure they can get in touch with you directly there, too. Absolutely. Okay, thank you very much, Dave. People to People Working Together for Your Safety is dedicated to bringing people together to share knowledge and create a safer environment for us all. If you have a question, agree or disagree with the information we are sharing, send me an email with your comments or questions. You can do that by sending it to Stan at stansalot.com. My Twitter account is at stansalotjr, jr for junior. That Twitter account again is at stansalotjr. I would like to uh, thank our sponsors. Again, Business and Quality Process Management. Um, 
Secure Components, C-Trans, Concord Components, and uh, the AANS in Australia. I'd like to also thank today's show, uh, today's, uh, whoop, let me start over again. Today's show is brought to you by our platinum sponsors. Just mentioned BQPM, Secure Components, C-Trans, Concord Components, and AgingAircraft.com. From Voice America, we have Brandy Jackson, our general manager, Robert Cellino, executive producer, Randy Jackman, production manager, and Jeff Gerstel, our director of host services. From People to People, Christina Clark, People to People Administration Coordinator, Yulia Coach, Coach Branding, and People to People Production Manager. As always, I appreciate you were tuning in and listening to the show. Look forward to hearing from you and sharing any knowledge that we can. Again, any questions you might have, by all means, please send me an email or a tweet and uh, let's talk about it. As we sign off today, thank you for joining me on People to People, working together for your safety. Thank you for listening. Please join host Stan Salat for next week's edition of People to People, working together for your safety. We'll have another show next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a safe, toxic, and counterfeit-free week. We'll be right back.